Hey, Philo people. Welcome to episode two of the Philo Podcast. The Philo Podcast, if you're new to this, exists to help those of us involved in the technical arts in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. My name is Todd Elliott. I'm the host for the podcast, and we spend most of our time here learning from people who are involved in the local church in some capacity, whether it's in some technical discipline like audio, video, or lighting, or producing a service, or leading teams, whatever, whatever affects us as technical artists in the local church. Before we jump into this current episode, I missed the opportunity to thank a few people during episode one. When we were first thinking about starting the Philo podcast, I mean, what do you think of when you think of starting a podcast? You need a theme song. You need an awesome, awesome theme song. So instead of going out and purchasing something cool off the shelf, I decided to enlist the help of my youngest son, Carson, who's 15. He's into music, and so I thought it would be cool if we wrote something awesome together. I love how it turned out, and I'm super proud of Carson and the hard work he's done on this. And, you know, when I say we worked on this, it's in quotation marks uh, because he would point out that he did all the work and I just told him the parts I didn't like, which is probably true, but I'm just preparing him for life as a musician working with producers. That's just how it goes. Anyway, after we got it into the form that you're hearing it in now, I asked some help from some pretty sick musicians, Sean Summer on bass and Paul Matsuba on keys, and they really helped fill this thing out. So uh, yeah, love how it turned out. Then we gave it to Ron Cook, who did the final mix down. So love it. Thanks a ton, everybody, for helping. Now, on to our episode. For this episode, we got a chance to sit down with Steph Cassetto, who is the weekend producer and worship team co-leader at Saddleback Church. For those of you who are at Philo 2017, you got the chance to hear her teach one of our main sessions and several breakouts. In our conversation today, we're continuing one of the topics that she taught about at Philo, which is this idea of being a service producer and the challenge of trying to manage sometimes competing values that are coming from the senior pastor, the people on stage, and the production team. So without wasting any more time, let's get right to it. How's it going, Steph? Hey, everybody. (laughs) Great. Glad to be here with you. Yeah. Thanks for making time. I know we were just talking uh, before hitting record about getting kids ready for school and all that. Uh, I'm not sure when you'll be hearing this podcast, but right now it's school starting time. So Back, back to school. So we're getting yeah. back to the, the routine. Yes. It's, it's like a steep learning curve after a wonderful, nice, relaxing summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, really nice to enter summer vacation because you oh, finally we could sleep in and we don't have to think about homework and making lunches and all that. And then, yeah. and then by the end of summer, usually I'm kind of like, all right, I'm ready for a little routine. R- routine. <laughs> but it hits you like a freight train. It's like there's mm-hmm. no easing into it. So... Yeah. Maybe yeah, we got, totally. like, have a total another podcast about getting kids ready for school. I, oh I gosh. <laughs> I would get an F in the lunches department. I'm always, I'm, that's what stresses me out most is getting the lunches made. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, well, again, we could, I could keep talking about uh, yeah, yeah. getting kids ready for school. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you maybe just tell us a little bit about what you do, where you work, maybe even how you got there. I know you could probably talk for days about your yeah. journey. Just maybe. <laughs> Maybe kind of give us encapsulated version of where you are right now. Okay, great. Me and my husband, John, we are actually this year, we're celebrating 20 years in ministry in the local church. And our current role, and I'm saying our, which I'll kind of unpack just a little bit, but our current role is serving at Saddleback Church, serving Saddleback Worship. And I help co-pastor that the whole Saddleback Worship with him, but kind of I take a really focused look 
And my job really gets kind of focused in on our Lake Forest campus, which is our broadcast campus. So I serve as our weekend producer, as well as leading and shepherding the artists and the production team there that serve at Lake Forest. Um, a lot of my time is spent making sure our communication processes and the plan for the weekend and everything is running smoothly just so that we just have a healthy, a healthy team. That was one of the things that we wanted to tackle right away when we took this role. And it's just our joy to kind of be five years in and really seeing the fruit of that labor and just a really great team. So Specifically, I work as the Lake Forest producer on the weekends and then help co-pastor the team with John. Sure. Okay. Sounds like a lot of work, which I can only imagine. So I would imagine it's interesting to be working with Rick Warren, Mm -hmm. who's the pastor at the Lake Forest campus. Uh, Yes. And I can imagine also that there are lots of challenges that come with that that are unique to where he is and his influence and just kind of the journey that God has taken him on and and Saddleback Church. Mm -hmm. But I also know that he's a pastor and he has ideas and he's, you know, in some ways like any other pastor. Mm-hmm. wants his church to grow, wants to, you know, wants to understand what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about how this service is going to go. And mm-hmm. and so I'm interested how you navigate uh, as the producer, you're kind of sandwiched between the pastor or whoever's teaching or the, mm-hmm. and what the church needs and then what the production team needs, what the mm-hmm. creative team needs. And so, yeah, I'd be curious, just maybe, how, do you have like a set of governing values or mission or you know that, okay, right before Rick comes in the room, I have a little mantra that I say to myself to get ready for, don't forget about this and don't forget about that. Yeah, just yeah. I'm curious how it, how, yeah, how you manage it. For sure. Well, first of all, I, I would want to start just by saying that, um, you know, Pastor Rick is a very generous leader, you know, and very kind. And uh, since the very beginning of me sitting in the seat that I sit in, I've always felt seen and heard and understood um, in terms of my leadership gifts. And it's, we just have a really great working relationship and um, just can't say enough good things in terms of the guy you see on the platform is the same guy that you interact with, you know, behind the scenes. And so as a leader who's trying to lead and change, you know, just make changes within um, my own ministry lane, um, I just think I, I couldn't ask for a better person to kind of be working under in terms of extending some freedom and then listening to me when I have, you know, concerns or things like that. In terms of... Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. You say you have a good working relationship with Rick because I think the relationship there is so key. Yeah. And I'm curious just how you got to that place or was there, is Rick just that way or... Yeah, I'd be curious how you got to a place where you felt like, okay, he sees me, he appreciates me, he's letting me run in my lane and knows when to kind of interrupt or, you know, just that, yeah, how did that come about? Just time? Yeah, I would say in my experience with with Pastor Rick and even before that with other other leaders, other pastors I've worked with, it's a relationship for sure. And any relationship takes work. I mean, it takes, it takes, with senior pastors, the weekend is often kind of their baby. That's their thing. It's the thing they're closest to. It's the thing they they touch. It's the thing they want, you know, to be to be feeling and looking good. And so as worship leaders or as 
production leaders, I feel like part of my job is not to come in and, you know, really upset the basket, so to speak, but it's really to listen. And then when I see needs for change to do that, um, uh, in a way that builds trust and is not just, Hey, you've given me the keys to the car. Now I'm really going to, you know, go crazy and change things, but really it's just kind of baby steps and, and making sure that, that the changes that I'm making ultimately align with the vision that, that the pastor or the lead pastor has set. And I have felt that when that's working, you know, when I'm, then you kind of continue to get a little more, you know, understanding a little more of that, you know, yes, I trust you, you know, let's go this direction. So it's definitely a, you know, a process and that's something that's built over time. And I think trust is the key is the key thing there. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Rick has some ideas about what the, you know, like you said, it's his baby. Yeah. Any senior pastor, it's kind of their thing. It's the front door. It's the, the engine that drives everything else, the, uh, the weekend service. And so, yeah, it matters to them. Um, how do you, how do you sort of manage that reality with, okay, I have a team that has needs that they want to process or they, they want to know on Thursday what's happening in two weeks or, right. uh, yeah. How, so how do you, uh, I mean, how That's do you kind of balance, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How do you balance those things out? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's church culture is different and, you know, some people have the luxury of knowing things, you know, long way in advance, you know, they have a whole year map of what their weekends are, are going to be looking like. And then there's churches that don't have that. And, um, you know, we kind of fall into the category of um, we we kind of expect things to change. And um, one of our, you know, values just as a Saddleback staff is that we are fast, fluid, and flexible. And so how those, those themes kind of play into planning and how they play into creating a weekend experience definitely can be challenging, um, but we've kind of just learned to embrace them. So one of the ways that we operate is we we go into any weekend, any event with a full-on plan, the full-on cue sheet, the full-on everything that we think should and could happen. And then we also articulate from the very beginning that we're going to hold loosely to that plan because it could change at any moment. And usually um, we just have the foresight to kind of already play with the pieces of the puzzle just a little bit so that if we sense a change coming, we are able to kind of lift things out and move them around without feeling like we're, you know, we're losing the whole. So we just kind of look in advance of what, here's our plan A, this is the direction that we see that things could go the best or, you know, right now. And then we kind of usually have a plan B in our pocket for if requests are made or if we need to shift something or change something. And, you know, one of the things that one of the Saddleback worship team values is that, you know, we will, you know, we're able to go with changes with, with joy, you know, to lead with a yes, to be able to, when change comes our way, um, to be able to say, yep, that's not a problem. Even if in our head, we're thinking, how on earth are we going (laughs) to make that happen? You know, but we usually try and say, yep, not a problem. And then we'll follow up with, you know, whatever leader we're speaking to, that's not a problem. You know, uh, we could do that. Um, we'll have it ready for you in 10 minutes. We'll have to start the service late or, yep, that's not a problem. It would be best if we do it, you know, for our second service or if we wait until tomorrow morning so that we can make changes. And then that kind of puts the ball back in the leader's court in terms of, no, I I don't want to wait 10 minutes. Let's, 
let's go ahead and go with the plan you have now and change it for tomorrow. Or, and so that's kind of that, how we collaborate with, with the leader in the room and, you know, try and make sense of, of changes and, um, expectations. So. I love that idea of uh, putting it back in the leader's court because I think um, as a tech person, I know, and maybe even as a service producer, kind of uh, straddling both worlds a little bit, I was always trying to take on the responsibility of the decision myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we can do it or no, we can't uh, based on I have to have all the answers right. uh, or I have to be the one that decides we're going to start 10 minutes late or, and a lot of times I was just keeping that all in my head. Right. And finally I realized like, hey, we can we can add another whole band to this setup at the last <laughs> minute. But instead of it being my problem to solve, it was like, well, the, we won't start rehearsal on time and we'll probably you know, start the service late or whatever and let the yeah. leader decide. Yeah. And I think so many, uh, so many of us in the execution mode of services want, we're responsible. That's kind of how God wired us. But we end up taking more responsibility than is ours to own. Right. Like it's it's not my job to shoulder that totally last all, minute all change. the time by yourself. Yeah, right. I, I, there's definitely times where I feel like I, you know, I have to make the call, and if I don't, then I, it's hurting my hurting our team. You know, um, but I totally feel you. You know, like I feel like if we're able to articulate what the cost of a change is or what the cost of a request is, um, then usually, you know, some of that burden of me making the decision is shifted to at least one other person hearing that and saying, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and those things are often happening in a really short space of time. You know, those decisions, um, I would say one of the other things with, um, with my seat and sitting between, you know, like production and platform world and actually the creative, you know, what's happening on the platform versus what's happening behind the scenes with, um, our, our lead path, you know, with pastors, um, or speakers, guest speakers, um, is that when changes, part of what I feel like my role is, is to be the shock absorber, to be the one who, you know, if something's going to change or if we need to, uh, uh, cut something that maybe we've worked really hard on. I'm the one who receives that initial information. I'm the one who gets to digest it first. Um, and if, if I'm on a, in a, on a really good day, I'm digesting that well and then able to articulate that to my team in such a way that doesn't feel like they just got squashed or stepped on. And so that's kind of I'm leading in two directions. I'm, I'm receiving news. I'm I'm monitoring the way I'm receiving it, my response. I'm calculating how I'm going to, uh, you know, say this to my team, and then I'm going back and then communicating it to to these people who I work with on the daily, you know, and who we've poured time and energy and thought into something. And again, I feel like a person in my seat. My job is to make something happen, but then also to just continually be showing love and expressing that care. And I see you, I, I see you to anyone who sets foot, uh, you know, in our worship center space, whether it's a production person or someone on the platform team. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's, I feel like that's one of the ways that we get a lot done is because the people who I'm saying, I see you, I know this is a tough decision, love what you're doing. You know, they hear that and are able to more quickly get on board with a change because they know 
it's not personal. It's not something that we're changing because we didn't like. It's just, this is the way it's all going yeah. this week. You know? Yeah, I think too, the so many of the team is probably not interacting with the senior pastor on a regular basis, regardless right. of the size of your church. Right. And so if you're the person in the middle, yeah, you're the, they're reading the senior pastor's how much they see what you're doing and how mm-hmm. they how they feel about the senior pastor comes through you, right. the person kind of in the in the middle. And right. I think I think in those moments it's so easy to get upset or angry or you know if the changes you know we're cutting that whole thing we spent all day yesterday working on. Right. I think it's real easy to uh, to give the wrong impression of the senior pastor's request. Right. Because they're not in the room, they're not speaking it uh, themselves, and um, everyone's kind of predisposed to be upset about uh, right. a change we, like that. Yeah, we we don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I mean, I feel like that's just bad leadership. You know, don't we don't go throwing people under the bus. You know, um, and so one of the things that I think, you know, just after 20 years of sitting in a seat, very similar to the one I'm sitting in, different sized churches, but similar in terms of uh, actual job description, is that, you know, my first love or my first, you know, the thing that makes my heart beat fastest is the, the local church and as a whole. It's not just arts or worship or production, but really it's just the local church and, and is how that church is thriving, how it's working within its community. And so I feel like when I carry that, you know, it, I know that that's my, my pastor's desire as well is to see this church thriving and reaching lost people and, you know, building disciples. And so if I'm carrying that as my ultimate vision, then kind of how, what the weekend looks like, what songs we're singing, all that gets filed under there. And so, and I can carry that with my senior pastor. I'm, I'm happy to say, yes, you know, let's, let's make this church experience great. Let's let the church be the church. Let's that, that, we can carry together very easily. We there's a lot, you know, that we're going to almost always agree on, stack hands on, and say, "This is what we're about." Sometimes how we get there is going to feel or look different, and that might be where there'd be, "Oh, I wish we could," or you know. But um, I feel like that's kind of what helps keep me, you know, just understanding where where he's coming from um, is because he's thinking about that big picture as well. He's not just thinking about what what my team is doing. He's thinking about, you know, everybody. Sure. Yeah. Something you said a little bit ago, uh, just made me think, you know, we were talking about how far in advance, you know, what's happening and how, you know, going into a service, knowing that, Hey, we're going to prepare like crazy. And then we're going to be flexible like crazy. One thing that just kind of popped into my mind as you were talking is there are churches I know of that are, they know exactly the series, uh, you know, the sermon series for the next year. Mm -hmm. But I think so much of that is a function of the senior pastor at that church operates Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. And so maybe having worked at two different churches over your 20 years, just talk a little bit about just that difference between, you know, the, the structure has to support the leader mm-hmm. as opposed to creating a structure that serves the team right. only. Uh, yeah. So two different church experiences that I've, I've had. And one was a complete, we, we actually spoke into what was coming up in the upcoming year. We sat at the, the table that, you know, crafted the plan, the, the teaching plan for the year. So we knew early on, you know, and had, 
say, so to speak, and where the teaching was going for a year. And then we had a complete like blank space, like whiteboard type experience in terms of creating services that would go with, with that, with that teaching plan. And, and then my second is, you know, where we don't, we don't have that, you know, a lot of times we don't know very far in advance what the weekend series is going to look like, or, you know, we don't know what the next one will be. And so it really is, um, it requires creative thinking in, in two different ways. You know, obviously when you have a whiteboard that you can just decorate however you want, it sky's the limit in terms of, you know, what you put on the stage, what, how, what you sing, how you light it, you know, all those kind of things. Whereas creativity, the other direction is you kind of have to think, how can I make what I hold in my hands, what I know, I know that I know is going to happen. How can I create moment or create space within three songs or within, you know, this kind of look that is going to achieve the goal of, you know, bringing people closer to Jesus or, you know, having them experience a time of worship like they've never had before or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's different, you know, like it's very like focused creativity and then really like whatever you, you know, sky's the limit kind of creativity, which is two different, two different, um, type of things. And I would say that, you know, for anyone who is sitting in a seat where they feel like they're not getting what they need from their leader, or they're feeling frustrated because they can't create with that sky's the limit. I would say maybe just, you know, there is a bit of coming to terms with you you need to know who you're who you're working for or what the vision of the church is and then put your leadership and filter what you're doing into that you know stream so to speak you make it make it work there versus if you're always constantly trying to change you know the organization to a place that's going to fit the way that you want to do it you will probably experience frustration for a really long time working that out and you know um, so that you can have a big, you know, dreaming whiteboard experience. I think there are other ways that you can dream within your team and, you know, just had some conversations with our team this week, um, just even within what our weekly flow looks like. So not what we're producing on a weekend, not what's coming out and what we see that generally always looks and feels great. But sometimes I feel like we could be a little more creative in how we're getting there and does how we're getting there look and feel great. You know, how can we, um, be creative in our workspace during the week, even if we're kind of creating for the same kind of flow, you know, like, but what can we do um, that, you know, in terms of spending time together and talking through songs and playing them and hearing them and, and dreaming about what the stage could look like in ways that it just brings us joy, you know, like, cause creatives are meant to create, whether it's behind a console or if it's, you know, on, behind a guitar. And so I think even within a place where maybe you're not going to see the flashiest anything on stage, there's room to develop and stretch creative muscles and find joy in that experience. So Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there's a, to figure out the space that you can play inside of. Mm -hmm. And I would even say in my history, there was a time where we, we started doing a Friday night concert at our church once a month that was just, I wouldn't call it a free-for-all, but the number of restrictions on, well, we can't do that because of this and you know, we have to make room for these things. And it was just more of a blank canvas that we were able to get a lot of our creative 
ideas out without a whole lot of other structure. And so that became an outlet for us that, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was life-giving and mm-hmm. we knew we could, uh, the, the boundaries that we could be creative inside. Right. Is there anything, uh, you're thinking about um, people in churches, uh, kind of in this position that you find yourself in as a service producer or helping create services? I mean, is there a piece of advice you'd give them, like a, a nugget that you've learned from working with two different senior pastors? Sometimes I think uh, if I could go back and tell my younger self, you know, uh, or my current self, don't, don't take it all so seriously that, you know, that you don't enjoy it. Um, when I step back and see the things that I've been able to be a part of, um, and just the number of Sundays, the number of weekends that I've been connected to uh, in, in the local church, I just, I mean, at this point, I look back and I'm just so grateful. And so I think trying to kind of tap into that gratitude in real time, just remembering that these are get to days. These are days that we get to be serving the church in it's all of its complications. And, you know, so don't get so caught up in all the layers of complexity that you're missing what you get to be a part of, you know, you get, you get to do, whether it's, you know, being delivered the the exact packaging that you prefer or not, you know, you get to be a part of the local church. And that's, I don't know. I just always think that's amazing that God chooses to use ordinary people, um, you know, to, for his kingdom, you know, for extraordinary things. And sometimes we don't see those, um, what's happening for years and years and years, or we may never see the fruit of that. Um, But just knowing that, that we get to be a part of it. um, I don't know that that's helpful sometimes. Yeah, I think too, just maybe on that note, it's so easy in social media land to get caught up in the best that people are posting and right. and maybe to go back to uh, what you said earlier with the trust being built between you and your senior pastor, it's like it takes work yeah. and trust and failure along the way to get to a place that feels great. And then even then, it's not like there's a blank check for creativity or you, you're just doing whatever you want. There's still, right. you're still working towards the end of what does our church family need? And today it's cutting that whole section out. Right. And no one's going to know. That's what I, when it comes to editing a service or editing a moment, um, no one but the people who originally created it are, are going to know. Um, you know, when I think back on some of the things that I was like, oh, that didn't go the way I wanted it to go um, because I had seen it work great in rehearsal or whatever. I have to say to myself, does anyone else here know that? Did anyone else feel that? The, no. Would they have felt something different maybe or, you know, like had it worked the way we wanted it to? Probably. But do, are they feeling like, that they missed something? No, not usually. And so, you know, I would also say just from a person who leads from the middle, who's, you know, trying to, you know, lead a team of artists and production people and who's also leading kind of their, you know, laterally to their pastor or leading up, whatever. I would say also just there have been times where I feel like I have been given grace or someone has, you know, my senior pastor has extended me grace or, you know, lets a, a mistake go by, you know, or sees it as a mistake and says, you know, that was a mistake. You know, uh, you know, our church wasn't 
built on one Sunday. It's not going to go down on one Sunday. You know, I think there are times when uh, we as leaders can remember to offer that same kind of grace to our artists, to our people who, when they make a mistake, how quickly am I able to say, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll circle back on that later. Let's keep, keep going for now. You know, this, we didn't build this in one day. It's not going down in one day, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So just trying to remember that same kind of grace, you know, making sure it's flowing both ways. If I'm, if I'm receiving it, making sure that in those heated moments when, you know, things are falling apart technically or whatever that, you know, we're able to give it as well. Yeah. It's uh, so one of my favorite definitions of excellence is being better today than I was yesterday, mm-hmm. which for me encapsulates the idea that we will make mistakes, yeah. but what are we going to do about them? That's is right. it going to make we us better? From- yeah. And yeah. so that's such a helpful thing yet yeah, to know, because I think a senior pastor sometimes can be a little disconnected from the mechanics uh, yeah. of what it takes to pull off an idea. Maybe mm-hmm. I should rephrase that. They are disconnected from what it takes to, you know, they not sort of disconnected, right. uh, which is kind of the way God designed it. That they're right. they're wired up a certain way, and and those of us executing the service are wired up a certain way. And so, as someone in the middle, to to be able to kind of extend that uh, to the people beneath you to say, hey, you know, it's all, it's okay, but we also have to get better. And then communicating up, hey, we saw this happen. We know that that didn't go well. This is what we're going to do about it. You know, and I, I would say too, in, in my seat, you know, some of what I find joy in doing is connecting those dots, um, you know, for, for, for Pastor Rick or for a guest teacher. And so like a lot of times, during a weekend service, there's opportunity for me to, to point at like our monitor, you know, when it's showing people from my team, you know, leading or when, you know, an audio guy comes back to, to tweak a mic or, you know, help someone get set. I feel like those are opportunities for me to help connect dots and say, you know, this is so-and-so and they have this many kids and here's what they do. And can you believe that, you know, stage design, you know, they, they did that, you know, because, in many ways, because I'm, again, that shock absorber or the front line, so to speak, I can, not that I take credit, but like I would, that's my team, you know, so I'm gladly gonna, you know, say, yeah, our team did that. But when I can get really specific and say, this is the guy that did that, that's the girl that made that happen. This is what, you know, his life looks like outside of this space or when he's not wearing black or I feel like that, that helps connect some dots, um, any opportunity I get to to say that, you know, this person's been here for 10 years, you know, this person's been here. Um, I just feel like that's important. It helps everyone seem a little more human and it helps even the weekend experience feel a little more transformational, a little less transactional. So great. Well, thank you so much for your time just to sure. kind of chat for a few minutes and hopefully we could do this again. I love it. I would love to. It's great. Great. So, Maybe we'll get your you. your husband on here too. Yeah. One of these times. Yeah. Then yeah. we'll have to extend it for a couple hours because we'll oh. we'll <laughs> we'll talk for a long <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> we can do that. We have like a four part series on talking <laughs> to the cassettos. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We might lose listeners yeah. if we do that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we might do. We'll do a test run and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right. Thank Thanks, you so much. Bye. I really love that idea of extending grace to each other. You know, we all love receiving grace. But sometimes in the heat of the moment, when things aren't going exactly according to plan, we can sometimes forget to give it to each other. So yeah, real important stuff. Thanks a ton, Steph, for uh, sharing that with us. You know what? If you're interested in more content from Steph, 
You can go to the Philo website at www.firstinlastout.us. Go to the resources tab. You can download either the video of her main session talk or there are audio recordings of the breakouts that she was a part of. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all on episode three of the Philo podcast. Podcast.